We have a delightful treat for you, if I do say so myself. Today, I get to speak with Raleigh Ritchie, also known as Jacob Anderson, also known as Grey Worm from the HBO hit show Game of Thrones. Thanks so much for joining us. My co-host Bim is in London right now, and she is so torn up about missing this, but I'm so glad that they're here in the studio, and I can't wait for us to dive into our conversation. I don't know how, how comfortable I feel being... A thirst object? A, an object of thirst. I don't know. It's just weird. It's... <laughs> what? <laughs> I have no self-esteem. Aww. That's what it is. No. Aww, that's interesting. What okay. a way to start. Yeah, but why? I mean, so it's odd for you to know that people are out there lusting after you? That's that's pretty odd. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> like people are like, here's this poster of you, sign it. Is that? Yeah, but that's not like necessarily thirst, is it? That's yeah. just like, that's just like oh, it'd it's be a nice kind of thirst. Your name on this piece of paper. Right. Because I like you and you're attractive <laughs> and you're on this show that I really like. So I want a piece of you. And this piece of you is your signature. Give me your signature. It, it, that's thirsty. Okay. Right? Yeah. You made a pretty good case for that. Then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're uncomfortable with that? Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know, just I, <laughs> I've like backed myself into a corner yeah, here. Where I'm yeah. like, I can't really explain it. Well, who were you? Who did you have thoughts like that about when you were a teenager? When you were like coming up, like, um, who was on your bedroom wall that you were kind of like, oh my god, I would die if I met this person? Well, like Beyonce was definitely when I was growing up. Was mm-hmm. I, I was I probably thought I was in love with her yeah and i probably thought it was mutual in my head i was like oh yeah of course <laughs> well now that she sings in the song yeah about, <laughs> about what about about me oh, she's uh-huh. not obviously yeah maybe but, that's like an unhealthy thing that's like an unhealthy teenage thing no i think that's a yeah. normal teenage thing i think it's a normal <laughs> uh pop culture consumer thing right like yeah. that's yeah. yeah it's like it's like the thing of like some artists are like oh, i want to make you feel wanted when i play or maybe it's not. Maybe it, I don't think that was the case for Beyonce. I actually think like a lot of Destiny's Child, like Destiny's Child was about empowering women. Mm-hmm. I, like I listened to a lot of music that like empowered women as mm-hmm. a kid, and probably didn't really realize it. Mm, like what but, beyond Destiny's Child and Beyonce? What? Um, I loved I loved Spice Girls when I was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I was growing up. If you want my future, forget my And I think because I love Spice Girls, I had I had a lot of female friends at mm, school because mm-hmm. <laughs> boys were like, "That's they're for girls. They've got girls in their name. The name, mm. the word girls is in the Spice Girl is in mm-hmm. Spice Girls name. So that means it's for girls." Did you feel like kind of pinned in by the idea of what boys and girls should like when it comes to music and film and TV and stuff like that? Not, not really. I don't think until I was like a teenager, I started to like feel. I started to feel like, oh, I've got to be like conscious about what I tell people that I listen to or whatever. So you listen to a lot of pop and yeah. that's when you kind of started to feel more, when you were a teenager, that's when you kind of just start started to feel more comfortable expressing that you were listening to that music? Sort of, but, but I think it was just more that like I grew out of that kind of music and then the kind of music I liked, not, I didn't really know anybody that liked it anyway. Mm. So I was like, I was just comfortable listening to what I listened to. I was mm. like, like, I listened to a lot of like, 
you know, like Soul Quarians, like oh, uh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. just that whole group. Yeah. Like Bilal and Erica. Oh, yeah, and I love Bilal. So like nobody was listening to Neil Soul really mm-hmm. at my school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, had, I actually like made friends, like really good friends with the few people that did because we could talk about music. But yeah, I think I, I just lost interest in trying to like impress people with music. Yeah. With like my musical taste. I th- it's, it's kind of, I always find it really difficult to, to, to actually pinpoint how though like how the artists that I listen to like directly influence my music because I think that there's like a little piece of all of my favorite artists mm-hmm. in my music hopefully mm-hmm. anyway like I think like I just I kind of taught myself how to write songs and how to how to structure stuff so like yeah. I think every time I write a song there's a little piece of me that like puts like some music soul child in it because that was I like would study him like I learned how to sing by singing music soul child songs mm-hmm. first song I ever learned how to sing was just friends really? I was like and so that never really goes away I think mm-hmm. you know First love, last love, only love, it's only love. First love, last love, only love, it's only love. There's a band called the Maccabees, it's like a British indie band. I listen to them a lot. I listen to, I mean like, College Dropout changed yeah. everything Yeah. for me. That yeah. was like the album where I was like, oh, this guy is is like taking from a million different artists and putting it all into one thing and it doesn't feel messy again. like it all feels like I passed on this beat I made it to a jam now everything I'm not made me everything I am here we go again people talking but when it hit the fan everything I'm not made me everything I am so you kind of like this idea of Hybridity, like having a hybrid sound. Mm, that's um, a, I really like that word. I know, hybridity. <laughs> yes. Um, so you kind of sing and do a little bit of, not really spoken word, but kind of like a, you relax your cadence a little bit in your songs. Yeah. So how did you get to that point? I think it's because when I first started, like I said, I was because I was listening to a lot of American, like American soul. Mm-hmm. Like, I would just naturally sing like that. And I think a lot of people in the UK sing with kind of American accents. It felt really weird to put out music that was really personal or to, I wasn't even putting stuff out then, to sing, to sing things that were like really personal in somebody else's voice. Like, Mm. it just didn't, it didn't feel right to me. And I'm not like, that's not not throwing any shade at people that do Uh, that, but... It just it just feels like the natural. It made natural sense to just like speak. I think that's what I'm doing. I'm like trying to speak to somebody who understands. I'm like, this is how I feel. What's your response? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, that comes across very well in your new single, "Time in a Tree." I try to leave. Sometimes I'm standing in the way. I'm on the edge of crying all the time because I can't human write what they say. I get wound up from the ground up and I don't know why. It feels 
very timely because it's so many of us are trying to escape everything that's happening in the world right now mm-hmm. and you have um, part of your lyrics are I need a place just for me some somewhere that I can be free mm-hmm. keep the faith and just be um, so can you do you feel comfortable because you said you know it's a little hard being personal in front of people but <laughs> can you talk about what inspired that song I wrote that song and I was just feeling I was just exhausted I was like I I, I understand that I'm in a very privileged position to be able to do what I love doing as a job. Mm-hmm. But um, it doesn't stop you from every now and then feeling exhausted or feeling like you could do more. I always feel like I could do more. And I think Time in a Tree, for, for me, that song is it just speaks to like a point where I kind of reached a bit of a boiling point. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like I can't, I like wake up in the morning and I already feel like I'm on the back foot. And and I think as well, it's like, like you say, there's there's so much going on in the world at yeah. the moment. There's so much to like keep track of, mm-hmm. and it and it feels like impossible. And you kind of like you constantly find yourself like it's very easy to find yourself on the fence mm-hmm. because things change so much. Like you can almost be like shifted. It's like if you. You, you have a belief system and there's things that you believe in and things you care about and you can like stand in that one spot and be like, well, this is what I believe. And then something changes and you don't even know that you're being like carried away from that thing that you believe in because you're like following this one thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you have to keep track of that. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's an exhausting place to be. Sometimes I just feel like I just want to like step out of everything and just be like, I don't, I'm not going to engage. Yeah. But then if you do that, then you're not like, it's part of being human, isn't it? It's Mm -hmm. like looking out for other humans, hopefully. So what do you do when you want to unplug from all of that? When you're like, I can't look at Twitter anymore. I'm just going to do what? What do you do? Uh, I hang out with my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. I like play with my dog. (laughs) (laughs) What's your dog's name? He's called Larry. Larry. Okay. Nice dog name. He is. he's he's he's, He's great. But, uh, yeah, I listen to music. Mm. I watch films. I think, like, watching films or TV is, is like, my prime, like, my primary source of, like, just escape. You mentioned this a little bit, but as you lose a little bit of your anonymity, you mm. keep losing it a little bit um, every day, how do you make sure that you're remaining true to who you are, like, the base level Raleigh? I think more than anything, the thing that I need to watch out for in in terms of that is to not get grumpy. Mm. Like it's not like I don't like I'm 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 quite shy. Like I don't really go. I I don't court attention at all. Like mm. I I keep my head down. That's so just, interesting I'm, that you've chosen to be out. a musician and an actor, <laughs> and know, you're so shy. I know. So, <laughs> sometimes I feel like those things like chose me a little bit. So part of what we do here at Thirst Aid Kit is look at the way pop culture shapes desire, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So what are three songs Mm. that are on your baby-making playlist? (laughs) If you were to just, like, put that on, what would be, like, three that you had to have? Three songs. That's really hard. Okay. I Want You, Marvin Gaye. That'd be... That'd definitely be there. Okay. Classic. Um, Maybe... Maybe something by Anderson Pack. You know the No Worries album. Yes, yes. Yes, love. Control, Scissor, just the whole album. Oh. You could just run the whole album. Okay. 
That's three, right? Sure. I didn't say songs. No. <laughs> you said, <laughs> you said, I want you Marvin Gaye. Yeah. Some Anderson Pac. And then the weekend. Okay. you got a girl. How you want me? How you want me when you got a girl? So once you realized you wanted to become an actor, mm. who did you look to for examples of the kind of work you wanted to do? Probably the biggest one for me was Will Smith. Because, mm-hmm. like, I remember, like, I go to the cinema a lot and, like, I've got a really clear memory of seeing Men in Black for the first time mm. and just being like, what? That, that, that happens. Like, there's somebody who, like... He doesn't look like me, but, you know, he looks like me. Yeah. And he's, like, the lead in a film about fighting aliens. (laughs) Like, that was really inspiring to me. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I I never saw, there weren't a lot of people of colour that were, like, in the UK anyway. Like, there's a lot of, there's, like, like a film like Barbershop. Mm -hmm. Like, I had to get that from the, like, off the internet. Like, dodgy. Yeah. (laughs) In order to see it, because we just it didn't import to the UK. Yeah. So like, I think Will Smith just just by like the fact that he was so he's so charismatic, but but yeah, he was like, I, I, he looked like me, mm-hmm. and I wasn't used to that. I wasn't used to seeing somebody uh, like a person of color being like anchoring a story. <laughs> like we make a lot of period dramas in the UK, mm-hmm. and, and like we're deleted out of those stories. So, so, you know, yeah, I think Will Smith was like a huge influence on me. And he was somebody as well that like, he, he, he made music Mm -hmm. and he, and he made films and he, like he just made stuff and he didn't, it never seemed to be an issue that he was like more than one thing. And because I was into so many things, I was like interested in doing so many things. I think that really like pushed me to, to feel like, to think in that way that like, it's okay to just, follow what you're passionate about right so yeah will smith would be mine well you're on a very popular show (laughs) (laughs) yeah called game of thrones yeah so thinking about the idea that you didn't really get to see a lot of people of color a lot of men that look like you Mm. in these period pieces yeah now you're in a show where sometimes the audience seems to feel more comfortable seeing dragons and mm-hmm. people walking through fire than they do seeing a person of color mm-hmm. in in, a, in these kind of um, roles. Yeah, how did that feel for you to get cast in this in this show? Well, I think like I did, I had a sense when I first started that like I was like I would never be in that show. Like, <laughs> and I had friends that were in it, and like all my friends were auditioning for it. And I didn't think I would ever have like I just didn't think that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um. But I feel like, yeah, it's, I I think everyone can be better with that. Mm. Like, I think in terms of, like, mainstream, uh, like, the stories that we're telling, just, we could just be better. Just, just, just do it. Just do it. You don't, we don't need to talk about it so much. We don't need to, like, just, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's actually not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> there's lots of people, there's lots of, like, amazing actors from, that aren't white that would love to work on something. For me, I feel like 
I feel like a, a, a responsibility being like, you know, and I know Natalie does as well. I shouldn't, I don't want to speak for her, but like we both feel like a, a real responsibility as the kind of two only recurring characters of colour in the show. I mean, actually there's Indira Varma as well. I, mm-hmm. I shouldn't uh, remove her from that. Sorry, I forgot what the question was. No, just was how, like, how did it feel to um, be cast in this, show where mm. the audience sometimes gets a little pissy about there being people of color in this mm. fictional world <laughs> but it's, because well it's it's weird it's like it, the way it feels is that sometimes i'm like like i love working on the shows so like there's elements of like i feel like defensive sometimes where i'm mm. like but but i'm there like like i find it difficult sometimes when like people have said in the past like there are no black people in game of thrones mm. and, I, and it's a bit like ouch yeah yeah <laughs> um but but at the same time i understand it yeah so it's like it's it's a weird thing where it's like it's almost like that like because because i'm there like i'm in the door mm-hmm. i'm in the show so like i'm and i'm really proud of being in the show and i love the people i work with but i do know that it could be better mm-hmm. at the same time you know i'd be lying if i said like oh no it's fine it's fine it's no problem it's no problem um so yeah, I think it feels like conflicting sometimes. Yeah, Grey Worm yeah. of the Unsullied mm-hmm. as a warrior who's been castrated. Yes. What kind of research did you do to prepare <laughs> for this role? Like, did you have to look up the history of Unix? I didn't have to. No, I did. I was. I was curious. Mm-hmm. I was curious. Um, and then realized that I didn't really fit the remit of <laughs> of Unix at all. <laughs> I think I would have a much higher voice. Mm-hmm. I probably. I think Unix didn't really have any muscle. Like they, you, they just kind of like become like that sort of like jab of the hut. Like, and then <laughs> <laughs> I had to do a little head tilt. Um... <laughs> that was an amazing head tilt. Um... Um, you mean okay? So because from what you've researched, it yeah. seems like they didn't have muscle tone or whatever. So yeah, they just they kind just... of. Like they wouldn't. I, I don't think there would be a eunuch army. But again, but, the world of Game of Thrones <laughs> is a magical place, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's dragons. Yeah, There's dragons and zombies. <laughs> That's just like it's cool, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no. I want to see you. Please. So much of the way that. Uh, sexuality is mm. expressed in film and TV is kind of reduced down to genitalia. So mm. when you're thinking about Grey Worm and Masande, um, did that relationship kind of help you unlearn some things about sex and the expectations surrounding sex? I'm just, do you know what? I'm really proud to be, I think that storyline is really uh, unique on TV mm-hmm. in terms of like how it deals with sex. Mm-hmm. And particularly that that scene last year. Yeah. Because I like, it's crazy to me the amount of men that would like tweet me or say to me like, they'd be like, they'd be like, oh, how do you have sex then? You'd be like, where's your imagination? Like, where? What, what <laughs> yes. mean, how do you have sex? <laughs> like, it's not just about putting a thing in a thing. Like, right. And and I I thought that. I just thought they handled that really well, that storyline last year. And it was kind of like, it touched on like, kind of, I think in some way, like 
disability in in sex and how that's looked at and how like bodies don't have to be just tools they can be like things they they can be an element a big element of sex is about acceptance right it's mm-hmm. about acceptance of yourself and of somebody else and like being naked with somebody is a very revealing thing mm-hmm. obviously and it's a very can be really humiliating if you don't feel a reciprocation of like acceptance and i really loved that that scene was all about that was about these two people accepting each other and finding each other sexy like regardless of you know the like atrocities that misande's been through mm-hmm. and the the quote-unquote like manhood that's been taken away from grey worm they accepted each other mm-hmm. and they found a way to be to be sexual and to be sensual with each other um i just thought that was just really well handled and it and it's and you get it all the time i get it all the time people are just like oh you got no dick huh? you can't do this you can't do that no 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 and it's just like I don't know why I'm putting that voice to it because it's not everybody that has that <laughs> voice, but <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it is quite like a laddie thing, I think. Mm. Definitely back at home. Yeah. Somebody asked me the other day. I just thought it was just the grossest thing ever. Someone asked me if if I was there when another cast member had sex scenes, and I was huh? like, "What world do you live in where you think that like that?" So they think you're just. Watching porn on it, set? That it's yeah, not a... I think they literally think, like, maybe they just watch it through that lens. They just, mm-hmm. like, they just think the show is porn because occasionally there's, like, naked bodies on it. They're, like, yeah. <laughs> they think it's just, like, everyone's just naked all the time. Everyone's just walking around naked all the time on set. <laughs> huh. That's interesting. Okay, so you've talked about the men who kind of approach you with narrow-mindedness about gray worm and his um sexuality but do you also get any men who come up to you or tweet at you who may have suffered from erectile issues or um other people who are not uh gender conforming who are like this helped me realize that there are intimacy beyond surprisingly not no Mm, interesting no that is interesting because to be honest with you i i hadn't even thought of that like I, I, I'd thought of that as in terms of like the context of that scene and mm-hmm. in terms of the context of them as a romantic couple, but, but uh, yeah, I hadn't thought that anybody would actually say anything to me, and they haven't. Mm-hmm. It tends to be, but I think that's as well because like sex is still a thing that's like it's big, it, not for everybody, but I think for a lot of people, like it's a big thing to talk about because it's so private, mm-hmm. and and it, it like a lot of people have a lot of shame wrapped up in sex mm-hmm. because of the way that I think sometimes because of the way that sex is 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 like portrayed in music and films and TV and like there's and schools <laughs> like I never had sex education in my school like we just mm-hmm. didn't do it they didn't talk to us about it mm-hmm. so it's like there's there's this like whole like hush hush shame secret thing about it so I think if anybody was uh it did relate to that storyline in in that way, then I don't know if they'd necessarily feel comfortable to bring it up. Mm. But but I I say here now that if like I w- I would never I would never shame you if you wanted to talk about that. Like it's you know. No, oh, that's sweet. anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you want people to take away from your character 
as a whole with Grey Worm? That's a really good question. I've got to be careful as well. Right, yes. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, you I, know, give a little spoiler, <laughs> a little tease us a little bit, because the show's not coming back on for another year, right? I, I don't actually know when it comes back. I okay. genuinely don't know, don't I think know when it comes yeah, back. Yeah, I think but, it's 2019. Um, for me, the thing about Grey Worm has always been like, he is a he's traumatized. Like, he's a character that's just, like, experienced a lot of trauma. And... Like, he's becoming, like, he becomes kind of, like, human. He's, like, had his humanity just stripped from him and he's, like, becoming human as the show goes on. And I, and I think if anyone takes anything from that, it's that, like, if you feel like your humanity's been taken away from you in some way or you feel like your trauma is, like, holding you down and holding you back, that it's possible to to come back from that it's possible to come out of that and often it, it's like it's, it sounds a bit corny but often it's like love that takes you out of that like whether it's mm. your friends or like romantic love or, or whatever it is like how do you think Grey Worm has changed your ideas of what masculinity is if he has I like to be honest I if anything I feel like he's reinforced ideas about masculinity that I agree with anyway like, like I, what? Like, like I said earlier on, like when I was a kid, I used to listen to Spice Girls. So most of my friends were girls, mm. and, my, and and which is like a really weird. Even that in itself is like a is like a strange thing that that should even be the case. Mm. So like I've never been thought of by like I'm I'm not like a huge sports fan. Like I like I like some sport, but like I'm not. I'm not what you'd say like I'm not what you call like a a traditional like alpha. Mm. And so I've never thought that you had to do this or you had to do that in order to be considered a man or a real man or whatever. Like, I don't think that, I don't think those laws or whatever really exist. Mm. It's, it's, all, it's all a construct. Mm. I mean, it's all a construct anyway. Right, yeah. But like, you know, so um, I just, I'm, I feel really glad. Like, you know, I could have grown like loads and loads of muscles and stuff to play that character. Um, but like David and Dan, the showrunners didn't push me to, and I kind of appreciated that because I think it's nice that there's like a, a different type of like he he can still fight. Masculinity and femininity both exist on like a really, 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 really wide spectrum. It's almost like an infinity spectrum, mm. and and then there's there are things in between masculinity and femininity and and. And all of those things are human. I think, like, the most important thing is, like, who are you as a person? Mm. What do you believe in? Who do you love? Who do you want to be? Who have you been? Like, all of these things are what's important. It's not, like, how far can you can you, can you you kick a ball or can you... But that, you know, again, even that, that's it. If that's what you're about and that's what you love doing, then good. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't. It's funny, like I've never spoken about, I've never really talked to anybody about this stuff, like mm -hmm. publicly, I guess. But like, it, it's taken me a long time to feel comfortable with who I am, and to feel comfortable with like not always existing in those like, like, quote unquote masculine spaces. Mm -hmm. And and I and I am comfortable with it now. I'm like, more comfortable with who I am as a person. It takes work. Like yeah. those things take 
take work, I think, for everyone to yeah. just like start to feel feel comfortable about about who you are and how you identify. Right. Do you think that you're going to look for more roles where you can kind of expand on that and where so that other people, young people coming up can see images of a mm. character who is not confined to being super masculine or super feminine or anything like that. So does that interest you to look yeah. for more roles where that's kind of there are blurred lines? Yeah, I would that? love to. Yeah. I would love to. I think like I think that is it's really important, isn't it? Like that does come into the representation that comes into representation on screen and and in music. Like I I get sent stuff all the time that's like that's like to play like the jock or like mm -hmm. the you know, like the amount of times I see athletic in a description, I'm like, but that's great. And, you know, if you're into athletics, then then amazing mm -hmm. and, and do it and be passionate about it. But athletic as like a descriptor for a person's character is kind of weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I felt like it's I say this, but it's like for women, it's 10 times worse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I definitely want to I, I have I'm very conscious about the kind of thing. I do mm -hmm. next if like whatever that is in terms of acting like yeah I don't want to put toxic images out into the I don't want to be a part of putting toxic images out into the world there's too many of them already right. I don't want to add to that part right. so you feel like you're kind of combating that those images that you grew up with that pressured you to be something maybe that you aren't for I want a little to bit? I don't I don't know if I am at the moment but I want to that's like that's my that's my goal I think in, like for music as well, for me, like writing music is really therapeutic, but I also think it's important that like honesty is really important. And the amount of people that have spot, like have come to me and said that like my music has, has like they understand how I feel. Mm -hmm. Not only is that a really important thing for me, but hopefully it's an important thing for them as well because it means that I've been, I've opened up about something that they get and then they've opened up to me and hopefully that means they open up to their circle and they open up to the people they love. I think like it's really important in, in music to, 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 to put that out, to be honest with yourself and therefore to be honest with other people and be like, you're not, you're not, you're not an outsider. Right. And if you are an outsider, you can own it because there's, there's millions of other outsiders, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, Almost as if we're not really outsiders after all, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of an oxymoron, but... Okay, so what's next for you? Uh, I've just got to finish my album. Yeah? I'm finishing my album. The single is lovely. Um you. And you worked with the internet before. I did, um, yeah. Yeah, um, and Stormzy. Mm -hmm. Any other dream collaborations coming up for you? Or do you have any dream collaborations? In terms of like for my album, I, it's just going to be a song by song thing. Okay. I think there's people I've thought of, but I'm like, it would just depend on how the song kind of turns out. And then mm -hmm. I'd be like, be like, I would love to hear this person here. Or yeah. like to, like, I feel like I need a different perspective mm -hmm. on on this thing. But like my my perspective is, is limited by myself. So like, I'd love to get somebody else in to, to, to give theirs. Um, so that would like, it would just be whoever it is <laughs> to, to that song, um, but yeah, there's definitely who would I who would I really if I could pick anyone off the top of my head to work with? 
um, I would. Could you fit Beyonce into your sound? Oh, I'm, I mean, like, I mean, one hundred and fifty percent. But like, <laughs> but I always, I almost think of like Beyonce is like on a different plane of existence. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like she just does what she yeah. wants to do. Well, you shouldn't count yourself out, though. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Um, so, where can our listeners find you online? Where can they get your music? Just on, I'm just on all of the things. <laughs> I'm just it's just at Rally Richie. It's the same. It's R A L E I G H R I T C H I E. Beyonce, if you're out there listening, I don't know. I feel like maybe she has some kind of weird Google search, but like audio for her name, <laughs> like you know. Um so Beyonce, if you're out there and you're listening, and Raleigh Richie is, is waiting for you. But you're amazing too. Thank you for coming by. I have one you. last final totally irrelevant question. Yeah. What's your skincare routine? Because your skin is amazing. Is it? Yes. Look at you. Um, Just clear. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> just like it's cocoa butter. Just, just cream. Okay. Cocoa butter. Okay. <laughs> you're boring. Yeah. But you know what? I've stopped using cocoa butter on my face. Yeah. You shouldn't do that. It's a little. Yeah, it's too thick. Yeah. Um. So I use, I just use this like, it's like Nivea men's moisturizer. <laughs> Thank you, Raleigh. I appreciate you coming by. Thanks and for having me. You were awesome. And, and shouts to Bim as well. to Raleigh Ritchie for joining us today. Be sure to check out his new single, Time in a Tree. It is beautiful and haunting and just what we need for these times. Much love to our producers, TK Dutez and Julia Furlan, plus Camila Salazar for additional assistance. Bim, we miss you. Come back. Stay tuned for more. Season 3 is on its way. It's very, very close. In the meantime, stay thirsty, friends. Uh, Do you have a playlist already on you know on your phone at the ready? Oh, one of those playlists. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, oh, okay. <laughs>